This is Ronald Jones, and you're listening to Roster Watch. Gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the epic Roster Watch podcast brought to you by rosterwatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap here with Byron Lambert broadcasting the pod live on Facebook, Periscope, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube. I forget where else we're, we're pouring this thing out, Byron. <laughs> Everywhere possible. All yep. free channels. We want everybody to hear and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. You can find the Roster Watch podcast there. And please, if you're in there, give us a five-star rating and review. It certainly helps us a ton, and we definitely appreciate it. We're going to be bringing you a ton of content starting next week at the Combine. Uh, we'll keep, I guess, we'll keep you posted as far as our broadcast schedule on SiriusXM, but certainly we'll have a bunch of content from each day there in Indy uh, here on the podcast feed. So make sure and stay tuned in. Byron, before we get into some of the best ball talk, I know you wanted to round out the running backs. I need to just finally just say enough's enough and get this best ball cheat sheet up. But before we do it, we got to kind of kind of go over a few final things. You wanted to talk about a few players at the running back position. Before we do, we have some quarterback news. Looks like my high school teammate, Drew Brees, from right here, Western Travis County. It's going to come back for a 2020 season. Do you, do you think he still has any juice? I think he has enough juice. Definitely not the same player that we used to see, right? I mean, but that's no surprise. I think it's enough juice. I mean, the Saints were in contention this year. That was a bad, bad playoff game at home against the Vikings. Uh, I, I think Drew Brees has enough, man. He's he's a point guard at this juncture in his career so he just got to get the ball in his hands of all these guys and from a redraft perspective you know obviously this is good news for all Camara, the major players Thomas, over there and yeah. yeah i think you know camara still maybe we, we spoke about camara a couple episodes ago in best ball and we have him slotted basically back to back or right behind uh aaron jones maybe like a low-end uh, rb1 type player or type uh, best ball selection at this point and uh, Drew Brees coming back solidifies that. You know, Michael Thomas is the top dog, and hard to, difficult to see that changing. So, I, I guess I just wonder from a dynasty's perspective, Alex. I mean, when do you start clearing the deck of these elite Saints well, players? I mean, do you just have to just yeah. hold on to them and bite yeah. the bullet? And is there stu- dynasty studs, or do you just go ahead? You got Drew Brees back for one more year. You ship those guys off to a team in front runner in contention in your dynasty league for a, a huge uh, haul of future assets. And maybe, I, had, uh, I, just a rebuild like, mode. I don't know. I don't know. It's uh, so Teddy Bridgewater is going to be gone. It doesn't, I, to me, like I think Bridgewater sucks. I think that whenever he comes in there, I know he won football games this year. I know that Michael Thomas didn't necessarily fall off this year when he was in there. Alvin Kamara certainly did. If you look at what he was able to do 
whenever Teddy Bridgewater was on the field with him. I just they're talking about like I was just reading on Roto World. I'm like, where do they, where do they come up with it? Like, where do some of these reporters come up with this stuff that multiple teams? So this is from U Stadium on Twitter. Multiple teams expect Bridgewater to have a strong free agency market as a starting or bridge quarterback for a team in transition. Widely expected to be on the move unless Drew Brees retires. So we know that he's not going to be retiring. I mean, I just it's uh, uh, he Tom. What what is this? J- Jeremy Fowler is expecting that he's going to get paid $30 million a year? I mean, what are the, what? What are the Carolina Panthers doing even thinking about possibly getting rid of Cam Newton at like $10 million less than Teddy fucking Brick? Teddy Bridgewater? $30 million? (laughs) Worth mentioning that, I mean, you just brought up Cam Newton. Worth mentioning he looks like he's going to be back for football activities, but the jury's still out in Carolina what his – future viability is there i mean you know i mean there's it's obviously a supply demand issue with the quarterback position and alex we always talk and about it exactly because you've got the daltons you've got the mariotas uh, you've got guys like possibly Jameis, possibly right? Jameis, possibly camp rivers possibly brady there's a it's it's a it's, a, it's like the biggest offseason storyline is what's gonna happen but, with these all these quarterbacks and you're going to throw fuck, and they, this is the year you're going to throw in Teddy Bridgewater into the soup and say that he gets thirty million. I'm not buying it, and you know, it obviously, sounds like you know, manufactured narrative as you know, this juncture in the NFL <laughs> somebody's age. But, but but look, Alex, if you think about it, one thing that's at least anecdotally tends to have it feels like it's held true over the years is that it's the allure of the unknown that can be enticing to these front offices and to these teams. So I think there's a, some handful of teams out there that are going to trick themselves that there's still some unknown upside with Teddy Bridgewater because we kind of got robbed of the early portion of his career, and now he's been in the stable there behind Breeze, learning from Peyton, and look kind of good at points during the year. I, I'm with you. I don't buy him as a long-time, you know, uh, you know uh, high-ceiling high starter in the NFL, but that's – kind of the antiquated train of thought that some of these teams i think they just revert to is like it's a guy they always kind of liked and they they feel like there's the allure of the unknown so it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds i mean you're hearing about dalton Mariota, all, all these guys you know in a number of potential destinations the quarterback of the league is short on quarterbacks still i mean it's an annual annually holds true well, for redraft purposes, we're going to talk about the best ball cheat sheet. For redraft purposes, I think what this does is it makes it perfectly okay in PPR leagues to consider Michael Thomas at the four, maybe the three, if you're not comfortable with Zeke. Uh, I think that it's think that that's fine. Um, in Dynasty, what what do, what do you do? What do you do in Dynasty? I, I think that I, mean, I shop I, those guys for sure. I'm shopping all my stud stains just to see what's out there for. I mean, I'm going to always need at least, you know, if I'm shipping off a, a high end player, I need at minimum two very, very good assets with upside. Hopefully that I feel like I'm buying low on in return. And that could include first round draft picks and rookie drafts or, or whatnot. I think Michael Thomas is a guy you can ask more for. I mean, he's the top dog. He's the elite of the elite. So a guy like him, I probably see if I can get, you know, three quality assets in return 
to make that worth my while. Let me let me just toss out a couple of trade scenarios for you for Michael Thomas, okay? Just let me just toss out a couple to you. And think about him for Dynasty. So think about these guys' age and stuff too. Um, Allen Robinson in a, in 1.03. Uh, already getting cons- priced in? I can consider it. I can consider that. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I, you know, it just, I, just depends on I, how you feel about the one point, who you're going to get at 1.03 in the rookie draft. I'm not. You're going to totally get, a, you're going to get, I mean, you're going to get, yeah. I, I mean, I can, I can tell you, you're going to, you're going to get, uh, you're going to get DeAndre Swift, Jonathan Taylor, or JK Dobbins, you know, <laughs> like unless it's a Debbie league. I think of like a top three pick like like that is a guy that could come in and be a possible absolute stud if he goes to the right spot. All right, what about um? That's a good about, starting point. I'd see if I could squeeze a little more. You know, Alex, the thing you can I always think, do here is throw a second guy in with Michael Thomas that maybe you think is overvalued, and then you can you can maybe you know ask for a little more in that hall in return. Would you would would you take DeAndre Hopkins in a two? A round two pick? Yep. Round two rookie pick. Considering that DeAndre Hopkins is going to have Deshaun Watson for the foreseeable future. I think so. I'd try to squeeze for more. I, mean, I don't think it's quite <laughs> always, there, but that's always on try track. try squeeze for more. Okay. Um, just, just let me do one more of these things. How about Kenny Galladay and and Chris Carson – in a two for Michael Thomas in a three. Can't do it. Can't, yeah, I can't, can't do it. Can't do it. It's, 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 it's because the name Chris Carson and the, the name Chris Carson was not a name that you wanted to hear. Like a, maybe like a Leonard Fournette, a Derrick Henry, you know, a Camara, somebody like that. It, it needs to be somebody a little bit, maybe would you, would you do that same deal with, with Mixon? Galladay, Mixon, in a two and you get in return Michael Thomas in a three. So you give up Michael Thomas in a three for Galladay Mixon and a two. Yep. Yeah. I'd consider you that start thinking gonna, of that. If it was going to be, if that's going to be a oh, good okay. two, got to yep. be a good, good two. So I think that's about where we are with Michael Thomas about where we value him. I think that's a good exercise. That's about how, that's about how we see it. I'm not saying I want to go out and get, absolutely get, get rid of him because now that the news is out, I mean, everybody knows that Drew Brees is not going to be around for much longer. Um, maybe, you know, maybe the Saints draft, draft one of these quarterbacks and Drew Brees gets a year to let this guy learn under him and Sean Payton, they can bring that guy in. At that point in time, Michael Thomas's trade value will, will be probably higher than it is now because because then not only will we have Michael Thomas for another year, which, which, which Drew Brees just for the immediate term, now we have a succession plan, a possible succession plan for Drew Brees to where we're not worried about life after Drew quite as much if there could be somebody being groomed, right? That's You can bake that into the equation about how you value his sort of lifetime value for dynasty. Well, Alex, and I'd add there's another way you could potentially work a Michael Thomas deal as well. I mean, when you're working from the mountaintop, you know, with a prospect like Michael Thomas, for the most part, you're looking down. So you, by default, you're kind of stuck liquidating him, hopefully for 
uh, assets that you, know, you find desirable and 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 a good deal where really the person who's receiving Michael Thomas is quite unquote quote unquote overpaying from you. Now there is a potential way you could flip that on its head a little bit if potentially you are deep at wide receiver. Uh, you could potentially go to like the Saquon Barkley, maybe even the Christian McCaffrey owner and see if you could take Michael Thomas plus a player and trade up if they happen to be, you know, deep at the running back positions, obviously unlikely, but I, I wouldn't only look to liquidate before I liquidated Thomas. I would certainly see if there's one or two players that I value any more across my dynasty league that maybe I could use Thomas to trade up for Alex. No, that's fair enough. I, yeah. That's an interesting way to interesting way to think about it for sure. Uh, what was there something else at the quarterback position you want to talk about before we t- before we talked about the running backs on the uh, best ball sheet? Mike Tomlin uh, saying that Big Ben looks like he'll be the starter in Week One and should be ready for Week One. Do you believe Mike Tomlin that that uh, that, that he doesn't believe Mason Rudolph said anything bad to Miles Garrett? He said, "If he said I, I, anything like that, he's he he he's like my ass would have heard it. I would have heard it. I talked to a bunch of players. I talked to I like the fact that I didn't hear anything about this makes it cockamamie." Yeah, it's a tough subject, man. And I mean, yeah. there's tough subject. Hopefully, he didn't say anything like that, and uh, you know, there hadn't been anything to corroborate it so far. So I guess I'll <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll believe Mike yep. Tomlin on this one. And there's, but do you believe him about Ben? He can't even yeah. throw a tennis ball. I think so, man. They got a good defense. And, yeah, I guess so. you're concerned about his health more than whether, you know, they'll really – whether they're they're really bringing him back for another big run this next year. I mean, it's obviously up in the air. But I think it's best-case scenario for any of the assets there in Pittsburgh is that you get Big Ben. But even if it's a diminished Big Ben, I mean, what are you looking at? You're looking at a, a rookie quarterback or, I mean, obviously Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges uh, were big downgrades last year. And you know, well, What are you doing with Juju if you have him? What are you going to do with, Ju- with, 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 with Juju? Are you holding him in Dynasty? Are you interested in him in best ball? You know, if – yeah, I could be interested in best ball with Big Ben coming back. You know, if it's a buy low scenario on Juju, whose value was astronomical last draft season, you know, if that thing has come back to earth, then, you know, he comes back to the fold as a very viable player for this year. And certainly in Dynasty, it could be the same situation where, look, I, I, we, we like Juju long term, but if you're afraid that quarterback situation is on the verge of drying up there, in Pittsburgh might not be a bad time to investigate whether you you can package Juju up, consolidate him and move him for a player or some assets you like more in your dynasty league. I think best ball and redraft. If we get big Ben back, Juju's probably just fine. Not Pete. What what did I always forget that I, uh, what I was kind of looking at when I was thinking about his slotting is he, he missed four games and you think to yourself, well, that's probably why he, you know, he's out of sight, out of mind. He missed four games, not quite as good a season. He probably, you know, not as good cumulative stats over that time. But even if you look at it on fantasy points per game, he was wide receiver 64 in PPR last year. He was behind people like Taylor Gabriel and Greg Ward and Randall Cobb and Chris Conley. I mean, 
he had the same production on a per game basis as Zach Pascal last year, right at nine and a half points a game. It's pretty pretty pathetic. Well, I mean, we didn't get the question answered last year. I mean, the big $64,000 question. I mean, Juju was being drafted as an alpha dog last year. Shit, he was going middle of round two last year as yeah, like a yeah. as a yeah. low-end wide receiver one. And so we didn't get that question answered. We don't know if he's a standalone stud wide receiver one or much less a, a, a pure full-blown NFL wide receiver one. And we were kind of robbed of – finding out that out this last year so it will be a speculative season once again in fantasy for juju i guess the way you'd have to look at it is his adp will just have to come down enough to where you can stomach getting in i mean to your point you'd love to you know draft him as a low end or wide receiver two you know really you'd rather draft him as a wide receiver three which I'm not sure ADPs will ever it's not dictate happen. that out, but yeah. pe- there's still going to be a camp of people that think he's got wide receiver one upside. So I haven't priced in too high, right? Because I haven't priced into where he would be more of a middling wide receiver two. If you got him, I think you're right. He needs to, I, I think the, just because I'm going to want two running backs and two wide receivers probably before I take a wide receiver three, it's like it's almost necessitates Juju Smith-Schuster going in the fifth round. Well, I think it probably puts him in the conversation with some of the boom-bust RB3s uh, that have come into focus at that you know, level of ADP and, and best ball drafts. And you know, the, my takeaway when perusing those ADPs and looking at that whole cast of running back characters in that range is that you know, the opportunity cost – of drafting one of these boom bust RB3s kind of in those middling rounds that you're talking about is the opportunity cost are some very good wide receivers living at those ADPs currently. The Terry McLaurins, the DJ Charks of the world. Yep. Um, you know, it, it, for, so what I'm hearing you saying is maybe we get a little more comfortable. Juju's ADP starts to at least head you know, more into, into that range. But you know, if you're looking at running back there, it's going to be far from certain either alex at that point of your best ball draft so let's dive in here with a few of these you know notable bigger name guys that are on everybody's radars right now of course a golden son of roster watch nation uh running back darius guys 5.8 yards per carry on 49 or 42 attempts in 2019 in his second year with the washington redskins after a lost rookie season with the knee injury uh, reports are coming in, Alex, that Adrian Peterson is likely to be back this season in 2020. Adrian Peterson coming off of 228 touches uh, last season. And, you know, we kind of mentioned carry on in one of the last episodes when we were going over some of these uh, polarizing mid round running backs. You know, we kind of bagged on carry on for his durability issues and, you know, Although I'd probably still rather bet on the come on a guy like Darius Geis over a carry on around this juncture of my draft. It's not fair to talk about carry on the way we did without talking about Geis's durability. I mean, he's he's a guy that's played even much less than carry on. who's only played about what, eight, I think it was 18 games in his first two years. He's basically been good for a, a half a season so far. Geis has been worse. Five games played in 2019 for Darius Geis, as we mentioned Uh, Missed all of 2018. It's been continuous knee injuries 
for guys. And look, I, I think when these players are young, Alex, they can absorb some of those and come back from them. But really don't want to see too many more injuries on guys. Uh, I, I think they can really start taking a toll on his career soon, whether it be from a confidence level or whether how the teams or the NFL views him or whether it be that, you know, he, 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 he loses some juice with the continuous knee injuries. Those can't afford uh, many more of those. Uh, I, I'm not sure if you've seen though, Alex guys has posted some recent training videos uh, where, I mean, obviously it's always, those are hype videos obviously and they're they're yeah they're, and he and he's and, and he's known to post those too he they're produced those. in order to make the guy look you know good but the right. fact is Darius guys look very explosive very yeah, good he, with his burst and change of direction in these uh you know in the in the recent videos so i have a some confidence there where i'm a little concerned alex and i'll turn this over to you here is that darius geis never touched the ball more than 13 times in a game in 2019 uh we know having scouted him very closely that he is a three down capable back who we believe has workhorse potential if he can stay durable and stay healthy which really wasn't a issue you know prior to the nfl hopefully he gets that second NFL puberty, that NFL body and that durability emerges here because we saw the serious upside, Alex, late in the season where Darius Geis and that uh, weeks 13 and 14, I mean, my God, he averaged 11.4 yards per carry. Um, We saw him get the 45-yard touchdown on the screen pass in week 11. Like we said, we know he's a guy who can catch the ball. And, and, And maybe a narrative flying under the radar here, Alex, is that North Turner's son, Scott Turner, We've gotten to know over the years at the NFL Combine from Carolina. Uh, he is, uh, I think he's a solid offensive coordinator for the pieces they have in place in Washington. And look, Scott Turner, like his dad, is going to run the hell out of the football. Well, that, and it's just, I, but you said it uh, because last year we had this caveman fucking Coach Callahan in there after Gruden gets shit canned. And what he said from the very beginning, he's like, what are we going to do? We're going to run the football, run the football, run the football, run the football. And that's what they did with like, he's like, I think that, you know, I'm old, I'm old school. I think Adrian Peterson's good. I'm just going to run the football with them. Right. It's, it's, it's what, it's what they did. I'm not sure that I'm not sure that a new regime coming in there is going to have the same faith in Adrian Peterson that, you know Callahan and those idiots. It, those idiots did, and like you said, it's dude. It's 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 Ron Rivera. It's Scott Turner. We've seen that if they get a really good player, they're not going to fucking. They're not going to have a committee. Like we didn't like. There, there were pieces in place that were you know the the Panthers. They drafted Jordan Scarlett. Reggie Bonifon was a part of that roster at the beginning of the season. I forget. Wasn't there somebody else who they brought in? Kind of some kind of. Uh, who did they bring in? Not C.J. Anderson for a while. They brought in somebody else for a little while. It looks like maybe they could possibly bite into bite into maybe some part of, of Christian McCaffrey's touches. And they talked all year about all offseason about how they're going to have to manage his touches. They can't get him hurt, all this all this stuff. And then they come into the season, they fucking hand him the ball 30 times a game. It's like when, when these guys have good players – Scott Turner in a in a in, whenever he's being overseen by Coach Ron Rivera, these guys run the shit out of it. I I love it for guys. My question is, you know, if you're just basing it on ADPs and where he's kind of been going, 
he's going in a spot where what this is like spot i think it's like 57 or 58 somewhere around yeah between like 58 and 60 so we're talking the end of the fifth fifth round sixth round turn does that make sense to you? And then, I mean, how do you stack him up against the Damian Williams? I think Damian Williams, I know you wanted to talk about him. I think he's the, a prime candidate to get uh, to get absolutely swindled in the NFL draft by one of these young rookies. It just seems to me like the Chiefs are in a prime spot on day two or early day three to take some running back that's going to absolutely pulverize uh, Damian Williams' fantasy value. How do you, And then like guys like Mostert. I mean, I've talked to Trashman about Mostert, but it's like, Jesus Christ. How, I, I mean, does this, does this continue? You know, uh, so all these – Philip Lindsay, we have the worries about Royce Freeman. Uh, David Montgomery looked like absolute shit last year. Talk about a guy that looks like he has oatmeal in his pants. We talked about how we were drawing the line in the sand last week, right? 15, 18 touches a game, 300 touches a year, or else we're completely out on this idiot. Like, so all these guys in the Devontae Freeman don't even get started on the red flags there. It's almost like all these basically with ADPs right now, we need to be looking at these guys like the Debo Samuels, the DJ Sharks, the Tyler Boyds, and moving these guys up the cheat sheet, getting a little bit of leverage against some of these more risky running backs, I feel like. And in doing so, I'll be, I'll be interested to hear. I mean, do you like guys better than everybody that I just mentioned, considering all their red flags? Philip Lindsay, David Montgomery, Raheem Mostert, Damian Williams. Well, we've been doing this for way too long together because my primary takeaway is the same, that at this juncture in the draft, you should absolutely be looking at the Debo Samuels and the Tyler Lockett's and the DK Metcalf's, maybe even the Calvin Ridley's, certainly the DJ Chark's. Maybe the McLaurins, a guy for me, Cortland Sutton, will be going way up the board. So, yeah, I think it's a good time if you're not sure because these – how I would characterize the running backs we're talking about are boom-bust RB3s. They've got pretty massive upside, so you don't want to lose sight of them. Uh, but it's a really good spot to just go ahead and move in on some of these quality young wide receivers and then just let the value come to you maybe in re- round six, maybe round seven – on some of these running backs. Do I like guys more? You can make an argument that if you're just completely betting on the come, if you're a, if you don't, if you're not highly risk averse and you kind of want to gamble, he's a pretty good one uh, to do it on there, Alex, but you can, if realistically, I think you've got to make the case for Mostert and Damian Williams over Darius guys. Okay. Why? Well, I, oh, tell you right I mean, be, be, all right. It's just, it's just with Mostert, you don't worry about the fact that it just seemed like it was. It it seemed like it seemed like Shanahan did everything that he could not to play him, and at some point he just had to, to play him. He's just like fuck. I just fuck. I just got to fucking play. I got to play him. I mean, look at. I just got to play him. Like well, you know. Whether people were hurt, whether like I mean, there were times where Breida Coleman and then weren't hurt. But Mostert comes in there and just like it's like he sees the holes differently and 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 he i don't know whether it's just like his vision that open field vision that he's had for being a being a returner for so long and everything like that he made big play after big play he was awesome down the stretch in the playoffs but he's been a career fucking like he's bounced around on practice squads and shit i just i don't i i'm just interested to hear what you have to say it's just it's hard for me to get behind get 
the idea of getting behind that. I mean, I guess we would just be talking about a guy that was in our flex based on these current ADPs. Well, Alex, here's my overview on Raheem Mostert at the moment um, as we project uh, for fantasy this year. 5.6 yards per carry in 2019 was in line with Raheem Mostert's career average. He really looks like a five-yard per carry guy. Uh, He's in the second year of a fresh three-year deal. We've got Matt Breida, who's a restricted free agent. Let's see if they tender him or let him go. I mean, I can't imagine – He's going to get a massive priority from the team. The 49ers have cap space, but they are in the bottom 25% uh, in the league in terms of cap space currently. So that makes it difficult for me to see them taking the $5 million hit on Tevin Coleman when they can get out of that deal for free. Um, Obviously, they can look to the draft to replace those guys. What about uh, what about McKinnon? What about McKinnon? Well, I was just about to get there. Uh, um, Let me see. Jarek McKinnon, 28 years old, chronic knee issues, seven millions per year, then seven million per year the next two seasons, nine million dollar cap hit each year, very likely to be cut. However, McKinnon has come out recently and said he's willing to do anything to stay with the team. So that <laughs> just, I'll do anything. I'll do anything. I'll, just, <laughs> I'll do anything. Maybe, you know, work for on the cheap for those guys. And then Jeff Wilson, we shouldn't forget about him. He's an exclusive rights free agent. Uh, He looks like the cheap option that could be back. So, you know, I kind of look at it, you know, they they have kind of a three way to go between Tevin Coleman, Matt Breida, Jarrett McKinnon. They can flat out let all of them go and save quite a bit of money and get roll with somebody like Jeff Wilson or draft a guy. You know, I think there's probably – reasonable chance that they don't let all three of those players walk there from their system. Maybe they reach a short-term cap friendly deal with Coleman or Brita or maybe less likely, maybe more likely with McKinnon if he's really willing to work for, for cheap. Um, But, you know, I just thought though, when you kind of boil all that down, it's pretty nebulous, which at this point, most are second year of a fresh three-year deal with everybody else up in the air at this juncture, Raheem Mostert has a, pretty reasonable shot at a clear path to an at least a nice role a significant and nice uh, role so you know i think maybe he could maybe he could earn in 2020 the role that some of us were hoping tevin coleman might get you know might have been able to lock down in 2019 i think in the end you'd rather roster mostert as an rb3 so you know maybe that makes him around six guy or shit maybe you'd rather have him in round seven but that's not going to happen uh given adp so I, I maybe the expectation is that one of those guys comes back tevin coleman matt Breida, or Jarek mckinnon let's bake that into the equation i think they might look to the draft for somebody but somebody who probably isn't going to take playing time away from monster off the top so if you if you think if you look at this and you say it's raheem monster and it's Jarek mckinnon and jeff Wilson next year I mean how do you feel about that or if it's Mostert and Brita and and Wilson or Mostert and Coleman and Wilson is that does that clarify the picture for you at yeah. all Alex I mean oh well, yeah if it's Most if it's Mostert Brita and Wilson yeah that definitely clarifies it for me and it makes me like him like him like him a lot we had um we had what a uh, prospector one say in the uh, in the chat 
is it better to have 60% of the Niners work or 80% of the skins work? It's kind of an interesting way to think about it. I want 80% of the skins work. Yeah. I like the Niners. Alan says, Lowski earlier said, guys, Sony carry on what we all thought was a rock solid mid part of that uh, running back class. It's interesting to see how everybody's kind of – Kind of where we are. Durability issues with yeah, those guys. Yeah, we we haven't fully seen it out of guys. You know, like like Byron said, man, that guy's a golden son. It's just these are these are gonna be tough guys to choose between. And I'm almost with Byron. It's like as I look at this and I look at the at the cheat sheet, I look here at some of these guys that I think should be going earlier and players who went earlier than I imagined in that Sirius XM mock that I did the other night with a bunch of sharp people, and it makes me realize that. Guys like DJ Chark, Tyler Boyd, Terry McLaurin, maybe even T.Y. Hilton with, I think, people maybe anticipating Phillip Rivers going there to Indianapolis or something like that. Oh, God. You wouldn't, you wouldn't like that for Hilton? No, I mean, Phillip Rivers is washed. I, well, I wouldn't mind seeing him behind, behind that offensive line and with a bunch of his old coaches that he likes so much. They apparently kind of want him. So, um Makes, it, it makes me think that I'd rather maybe take one of those guys towards the end of – if I'm picking at that five, six turn, take one of those guys at the end of round five and then just see which one, which one of these running backs between guys, Damian Williams, Raheem Mostert, falls to me in round six if, 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 if one of them did. What, what was your take on, on, on Damian? I think that's a solid strategy right now on best ball, Alex. Damian Williams, 4.5 yards per carry. Uh, this last season after what I think it was uh, 5.1 yards per carry the season per, uh, before. And an interesting note on Damian Williams is that he had never averaged even four yards per carry uh, prior to the last couple of seasons. Damian Williams, Kansas City Chiefs, 13.5 touches per game in the regular season in 2019. Obviously, he's had the big playoff performances the last two seasons only 20 touches once during the regular season in 2019 for Damian Williams and only once during the regular season in 2018 as well Uh, of course Damian Williams did go for back-to-back 20 plus touch games in the championship and the Super Bowl and the playoffs Uh, we saw an uptick in targets at the end of the season where he was starting to come in with more like three and a half uh, or he was three and a half targets per game on the season. He was coming in at more like four to six targets uh, down the stretch there. So Damian Williams, final year of a three-year deal in 2020. You know, we we always believe that's when they're going to run these players' wheels off. They've got him on the cheap for a couple million. We got Daryl Williams entering the last year of his deal, also on the depth chart there in Kansas City. He obviously has outperformed what people expected, but Daryl Williams uh, was injured and I believe headed to IR early this last season. Not much of a threat to Damian in the big picture. We got Darwin Tom- Thompson on deck. Uh, I know, Alex, you think that the Chiefs might go back to the well and uh, draft somebody there. So, you know, I guess my concern with the Chiefs and my primary concern with Damian Williams, I mean, Pierce, he has a very clear path to – at least that lead role. And, and I think you could argue for a bounce back, uh, you know, from last year, because last year was such a disappointment based on ADP. If ADP comes to earth, you can make an argument for the bounce back. But obviously what really concerns you is the 13 and a half touches per game. He's only gone for 20 touches in a game during the regular season, twice in the last two years. That's a big problem. And when I try to analyze why that is, 
I just think the Chiefs are so good, especially with an improved defense and they can score so many points. Like Andy Reid, I wonder if this last season, we know Damian Williams missed so much of the season because of the injury in week one and they brought LaShawn McCoy in and all these things. But I wonder if Andy Reid's plan all along wasn't kind of like to pace the usage of a player like that because he knows in the end they're going to be in the playoffs. It's a long season. He's not trying to uh to to beat these guys into the ground i think maybe some of his better players so i part of me wonders if if that's just andy reed's plan is to kind of pace the usage of a player like damien as their lead guy because they're pretty thin behind him and save him for the playoffs which is obviously a huge problem during the fantasy season i think the plan was to have kareem hunt not to have this dumbass go off and do some stupid shit he gets stuck with Damian Williams. Get stuck with him. He's stuck with it. Like they don't know Damian Williams a thing next year. That Byron, they're gonna they're gonna draft a running back. Is it like can you look at all these good running backs that are that are good that are good receivers that are in this draft? They, they I mean, they're they're out the wazoo. They're 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 tons of they're tons of these guys. I mean. I don't. I mean, Cam Cam Akers caught thirty balls last year. J.K. Dobbins, twenty three balls. E, like even guys like Eno Benjamin, forty two balls. Our guy Antonio Gibson caught thirty eight balls. Stephen Keyshawn Vaughn caught twenty eight footballs last year. Clyde Edwards Hilaire from LSU caught fifty five fucking footballs. Like they're gonna they're gonna draft a pass catching running back. Well, I think that it's gonna. I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna swindle Damian Williams. Uh, how many how many other players stand near the chance of getting swindled as Damian Williams? Ronald Jones? <laughs> the, the next and the last guy on my list here. Yeah, I mean, All I think right, Damian well, Williams, you have to say 12 to 18 touches for Damian Williams, 18 on the way good side of things. If you want to live in reality, you got to probably plan for like 13 to 15, 13 to 16 touches and in the end i mean granted it's on a fantastic offense so there can be a lot of production that's kind of tangential to that or is a derivative of, of that alex but uh, i'd say that it would have to be a low-end rb2 or high-end rb3 designation that would have to accompany damian williams right now and 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 not a guy that you're going to want to go crazy on all right, what about Ronald Jones quickly? We shouldn't have much to talk about here. He's going to Ronald, get swindled. Yeah, Ronald Jones, 203 touches in 2019, 12.7 touches per game. That ticked up a little closer to 14 or 15 touches a game down the stretch. 4.2 yards per carry for Ronald Jones last season and what was you know a quasi-breakout, 42 targets. Uh, <laughs> and and he had two... Yeah, Ronald Jones had two 20-touch games last season. We know Peyton That's the name Barber. of the pod, Ronald Jones quasi-breakout. <laughs> <laughs> we, we know that part, Peyton Barber is a free agent heading into the offseason. Uh, Agun Bawale is entering the last year of his deal, and we've got Ronald Jones heading into the third year of that four-year rookie deal. So you know, to your point, Alex, everybody in the industry is expecting Tampa Bay to draft a running back and so i think that leaves you in a situation where you know from a best ball perspective you have to bank on ronald jones uh, being a flex albeit one with upside if for some reason tampa bay doesn't go early on running back in the draft 
Who do you who who do you pick? Ronald Jones next year or Sony Michelle? Probably Ronald Jones. That's ugh. all right. That'll be the pod. But I just I don't uh, I I think I don't think I take Ronald Jones. <laughs> <laughs>